Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. Listening colour in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Good morning. This is Jazz Shapers. I'm Elliot Moss here on Jazz FM. Thank you very much for joining. Jazz Shapers is a place where you can hear the very best of the people who are shaping the world of jazz, blues and soul. And right alongside them, we bring someone who's shaping the world of business. We call them business shapers. I'm really pleased to say that my business shaper today is Timo Bolt. And Timo is the founder of Gusto. And Gusto brings you food in a box on a weekly basis, which you can then make amazing dishes out of. I hope that's a good explanation. Is it, Timo? Absolutely fantastic. Luckily, Thanks so much for having me. That's an absolute pleasure. And luckily, when one describes a simple product, one shouldn't get it wrong. Tell me, Timo, how um, you got into the world of food, because it wasn't always so. I lived in California when I was 16, 18 years old. My family are hardcore food entrepreneurs who have built various food businesses. They've never raised money, no boards, no venture capital funds. But on on balance, they've done quite well building organic supermarkets and vineyards. So I worked in a a vineyard. I worked uh, in a supermarket. So I got massively inspired uh, to become an entrepreneur. And I really, really love food. And I deeply care about provenance and quality. And back then I worked in finance. I looked at my own challenges, not having the time to cook. And even if I had the time, I ended up wasting half the food, which is a real shame. Uh, So I kind of tried to combine my passions and come up with the idea for Gusto. Now, you said you talked to you just mentioned the finance piece. You were in that world for a few years, a handful of years. What did you like about it? Let's start there before we say what you don't like about it. What, what, what worked for you? What did you learn that now you think, you know what, that was useful? I really love working with intelligent, passionate people. And you do meet uh, a lot of really switched on people working in finance. Um, so so I, I really enjoyed that part. And I, I, I gained a little analytical toolbox. Right? You do gain quite good skills. Uh, I do like numbers. I do like analytics. Um, I taught uh, statistics at university a long, long time ago. And um, so I quite enjoyed the geeky bit of finance. Um, and I'm, I'm glad I've done it. Uh, the, the, the chair of my, my first company is now invested into Gusto as an angel. Some of my former colleagues have worked for Gusto for many, many years. So there's a lot to like about it. Mm. And on top of that, you mentioned being a bit of a geek and a stats geek. You, you're very well educated. And, and generally, the people I've met over the last few years, some leave school and they're always going to be an entrepreneur. Others choose another route. You've done an MBA, I believe. Um, has that worked for you as well? Yeah, I, truthfully, I'm an absolute learnaholic. I really, really love reading and meeting amazing people. I'm very blessed. I've got 20 mentors I look up to and speak to regularly. And one of the things I've done in the first couple of years of Gusto is I've done an executive MBA in Cambridge so that I kind of get management skills and I expose myself to people who run you know, some of them uh, run ten thousands of people, uh, and in finance you naturally have small teams, and you're not really trained at leading or managing teams. Uh, so I really benefited from that. Stay with me to find out much more about my business shape today. Timo Bolt, the voracious learner and also founder and CEO at Gusto. Time for some more music. This is David Sunborn and Josh Stone with "Let the Good Times Roll." Let the good
That was David Sunborn and Joss Stone with Let the Good Times Roll. Timo Bolt's my business shaper, founder and CEO at Gusto. They put lovely ingredients in boxes, send them to you, you open them, you cook with them and you enjoy yourself. So the transition from your still a voracious learner, I get that sense and um, and that helps, doesn't it? I mean, it means you're, you're constantly open to doing things differently. Before I go into the business itself, it is intriguing to me that you said, "Open, I've got 20 mentors. Tell me a little bit about how you access them and why you're so comfortable asking for advice. I uh, strongly believe in high standards, and I think high standards are domain-specific. What I mean by that is I have absolutely no clue about how to be a great radio host or how to edit radio programs. But I'm sure if I can spend, you know, 10 hours with you, I understand what a high standard is and therefore I can then, you know, comment on it. I can hire people. I can, you know, set objectives and I can encourage people to do great things on radio. So that philosophy has um, helped massively as we scaled the business. I've been a founder for four years. Now I'm a CEO. Uh, The jury is still out. I'm on year two. Um, but I, I massively believe in, in you know, calling up on the best people in an area and asking for their advice. Um, and luckily, people are incredibly generous with their time. Uh, if, if you ask four out of five people, uh, f- five people, four out of five will actually sit down, have a coffee and give you amazing insights that will tremendously impact your business. When you set the business up to take that point about high standards, and I absolutely agree, I think that's, that's, that, that must be right. The more time you spend, you can really get into the detail. How did you find your team? Because it's a really important part, isn't it, in a startup? As much as you can do a lot yourself and you'll drive it with your own energy and your ideas and so on, you can't do it on your own. No, it's all about people and the common denominator between the two chapters at Gusto, being a founder and being a CEO, is is deeply caring about people and really punching above your weight to hire and retain the very, very best uh, intelligent and, and passionate people. Um, so in the early days, I hired my half my network, um, you know, many people out of investment banking. Naturally, they all uh, looked like myself and, you know, same age, same education. Incredibly handsome, you forgot oh, to mention Incredibly oh, kind. Team. Thank you. I'm, I'm flushing. <laughs> uh, but, you know, and, and then as, as we scaled the business, um, you know, we I really, really uh, invested tons of time to understand areas I've, I've not worked in to identify kind of the best possible people and then I built a relationship with them over years and then years later I brought them into the business Um, so heavy focus on people and tell me about the Gusto idea itself because obviously you you said you were surrounded by food entrepreneurs and all that how did you decide it was that bit of it because it's quite novel I mean you're not the only business doing this there aren't many others but it's a pretty novel thing to do to say you know what I'm going to the, the insight is people want to cook great stuff but they don't know how to assemble it I mean, how did you come about to that point? Yeah, to be honest, back then I was relatively naive. I uh, looked at myself, you know, time time poor, cash rich, uh, relatively young, uh, late 20s, uh, living in London, having a good income. And uh, I ended up wasting so much food and I really wanted to cook. So I bought all those cookbooks and I lived next to Borough Market, which is fantastic p- for produce uh, from the farm. But um, I really wanted to solve that issue. So I initially looked at, uh, you know, renting a high street shop 
And then it, you know, occurred to me that there are certain issues on the high street, and it might be better to look at online. So the biggest trends across uh, food in in Europe, not just the UK, are online convenience, health, and sustainability. And Gusto is kind of ticking all four boxes. So we see a massive shift in consumer behavior. Uh, and I, I realized I could build a model that you know makes people happier and, and their lives better, easier, and more healthy. And how quickly did you realize you were onto a bit of a winner? In the early days, we focused on people like myself, which was completely wrong. Our customers are scattered across all of the UK. Pricing starts at £289 per meal, including free delivery. The people who really, really cook are 30 to 45 years old. 80% of customers are female. 80% of customers live outside of London, scattered across the UK. They, we're all competitively busy nowadays. We run after toddlers. You know, we want to choose what, whatever we eat on the bus, on the train, not to take our car and drive to a supermarket. So, so huge shift in consumer preferences. But it's taken me some time to realize who's actually cooking in the UK. And now turnover is roughly what in, this, in the business? We are approaching £100 million in turnover. We're not there yet, but we're growing rapidly fast. Stay with me for much more from my guest, Timo Bolt, the successful uh, CEO and founder, and founder and CEO. Maybe he'll keep retain his CEO title. Maybe he ask the founder what he thinks after a while. Uh, he's coming back in a couple of minutes. And before that, we've got some words of wisdom, I hope, from our programme partners at Michigan Direct for your burgeoning business. My name's Sharon Tan. I'm a partner in the employment team at Mishcon Dorea. And at Mishcon, we advise all sorts of clients. Um, one minute we will be advising a global corporation, the next it will be a senior executive, and the next it will be an entrepreneur who's just starting out in business for the very first time with the latest new idea. But one thing that's common to all of those businesses, big and small, is social media. We live in a digital age. And obviously that brings some very significant benefits and advantages from a business perspective, but it also brings with it significant risks, particularly when you introduce the unpredictable factor into the equation, which is of course human nature and sometimes human error. So employees of all levels these days have a presence on social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, to name but a few. And um, whenever they post on social media, they're obviously representing themselves personally. But in certain situations, they're also representing the employer, whether they mean to or not. And in those circumstances, there is the potential for significant damage to be caused to the business, irrespective of the size of the business, if the employee happens to say something that causes reputational damage. And so really a good piece of advice for all businesses, irrespective of size, is to make sure that the employment contracts are properly drafted, that the social media policy is in place, and that all of those things have been clearly communicated to the employees, so that everybody knows in advance where the line's drawn and what the sanctions are if somebody happens to cross the line. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss. Every Saturday, I meet someone who's shaping the world of business, doing things that we think about doing, but we don't quite get around to doing ourselves. If you'd like to listen to any of my fabulous guests, there's over 300 of them over the last few years, put in the words Jazz and Shapers, go to iTunes, and you will find some there. Or alternatively, if you're flying in the future with British Airways, you can find us on High Life. Right now, living the high life with me is Timo Bolt. He's the founder and CEO at Gusto, and Gusto, as I said, put put ingredients in box. 
boxes and send them to you wherever you are. And as you were saying, Timo, you worked out that they were um, mainly women and scattered across many parts of the country and not just in London at all. Tell me about, um, because every business has a technology platform to it, not every business, but many do. Tell me about how you worked out the technology that you needed, how you've worked out where AI plays its role, where the basics, you know, the the piping, everyone talks about these clever things, but actually there's just a lot of hardware, and I imagine software that goes right underpinning everything. Tell me how you made sure that you built the right kinds of things for this business. So Gusto is a data company that happens to trade in food. Uh, we very early on uh, went on to this mission of reducing food waste. You, I, all of us at household level, on average, waste 20% of all food. And then there's a ton of food wasted in the, in the supply chain. Uh, because if you send food across 10,000 supermarkets, obviously, there's a lot of inefficiency. So in the early days, we obsessed about how, how do we make lives better? How do we obsess about the customer? But at the same time, how do we build a business that can have positive impact on the environment and, and sustainability? So we applied AI and technology onto uh, automation in the factory and also forecasting. So our forecasting is ridiculously accurate. Our automation platform is ridiculously accurate, guaranteeing that you as a customer get everything you like you know, best possible quality, but there's absolutely no food waste for you at home. Well, and on the more human side and the more kind of, I want to make sure I have great ingredients, where do you source all of your ingredients from? All different places? We source across farms in the UK. Fish comes from Scotland. We have a production facility in Lincolnshire where we get amazing potatoes and vegetables from. Uh, so we, we really spend a lot of time uh, on British farms and visiting farmers and, and building long-term relationships so that we really understand quality and, and where the stuff is coming from. Now, you said it's, ha- it's a data company that happens to, to, to share food, but actually your passion is food. Do you personally still, at this point with almost 300 employees, you still get in the car or the train or wherever it might be, go along and meet these farmers, or is that down to other people now? Or do you still like to keep your hands connected? I used to develop our recipes. Um, they're now all banned <laughs> for quality reasons. Um, but So we have an amazing team of chefs. We have an amazing team of people who visit farms. I still, uh, you know, we're organizing a supplier conference. We're getting 100 farmers visit us in June. I'm, I'm doing kind of a talk for an hour. Uh, we're giving awards for sustainability uh, initiatives. We ask suppliers to reduce uh, packaging in the supply chain for us. We're giving out prices. So I still do a fair bit of that. Mm. Um, but then obviously we, we empower amazing people who, who lead those initiatives. Now, I imagine you were super hands-on in terms of raising money, and you've raised a lot of money. And you, you mentioned at the beginning that your parents didn't raise any money. It was all their own. They went and did it, and pretty successfully. You've raised, I believe, uh, £56.5 million since you opened the doors, £28 million and £28.5 million, to be precise, in the last round. How do you do that? Because the question I ask of everyone that raises lots of money, it's not easy, is it? It's all about having a vision. Uh, overnight success takes 10 years. We have an absolutely clear vision of what we want to accomplish in the next 10 years. And then it's all about relentlessly executing against those two, three big ideas. We're seeing this huge shift in consumer behaviors. Uh, for 50 years, supermarkets have built stores across the UK. For the next 50 years, people will buy ingredients and, and meals on the go. 
So everything is moving into your mobile phone. 80% of our orders are coming via mobile phone, only 20% desktop. Uh, so it's so a huge, huge shift. If you, if you have this idea and it's such a seismic idea and you have the right people in your team, it's relatively easy. The hard bit is to find the right investor who buys into your vision and who, who not just wants to sell in the next you know, 18 months. I'm talking to Timo Bolt. We're talking about uh, data companies that are food companies, that are technology companies, that are whatever they what you want them to be. In reality, Timo, the most important person all this is the customer. And if I put myself in the shoes and I am a customer every day, whether I'm on Amazon or whether I'm on any other app that I might use in some form, and there are plenty of them, um, I need two things. I need to have choice and I need to know that it's coming fast. Tell me how you are specifically giving customers choice and ensuring they get what they want quickly. We are offering customers by far the most choice in the UK or globally, actually, in our market. Uh, every single week, you choose from 30 meals, whatever you like to eat. So whether it's quick meals, we have 10 to table meals, which literally only take 10 minutes and are designed for busy people. Or we have boost and balance designed for healthy eating. You know, we have family friendly tray bake meals, but literally whatever you like, we'll have it on the menu. We use uh, technology and AI to personalize the menu. So you should really only see what you care about. And I see a slightly different menu, uh, but we're this way personalizing it. My son is four months old. Your kids are slightly older. They uh, eat completely differently. And therefore, uh, to really build an amazing proposition for customers across the UK, you have to obsess about building flexibility into choice and really allowing them you know, to, to be for them. That's the mission we're on. And in terms of ensuring that you remain competitive, how do you generate new user experiences? How do you generate the next widget, the next whatever it might be? Do you test stuff? Do you just try stuff in, in beta? I mean, I'm always intrigued with how companies like yours keep competitive. What is what is your process if there is one? So we think about innovation in, in three terms, ideation, selection, and execution. And what I mean with ideation is in, in real time, I see what people look at in terms of recipes. I see what they choose. I see how they rate the recipes. Uh, I see how they refer their friends and so on. So I get a huge amount of data on customer behavior. You know, this this vegan dish is less successful than this one. So let's do more of this one. So we understand kind of customer feedback in real time, which then drives our new product development in almost real time. Combined with our uh, trading or, or automation platform, we can then give you as a customer exactly what you want in a really, really fast uh, you know, circle or cycle. Does someone come into your office at the end of the day and go, Timo, Timo, you've got to see what's happening in real time today. X, Y and Z happen and we're going to try this tomorrow. Is that what happens or do they just get on with it? Because, I mean, you know, there's a sense of you talk about right at the beginning, we talk about high standards mm. and about really delivering best in class. Mm. And yes, you need great people to do that, but they also need to have clarity on the vision and where you want to go. Because some brave new idea may just not be a good one for lots of other reasons they may not have thought about. Is there a sifting process? Is that where the selection piece comes in of your ideation, selection, execution bit? Yes, absolutely. So we deeply understand, you know, the, the big customer trends and we're trying to deliver against certain customer trends. Uh, convenience is one, health is one, you know, high protein is one. Um, so so we, we try to kind of compartmentalize our innovation process around certain customer uh, features and then really, really, really deliver world-class recipes against those uh, needs. 
Which of the bits of the process do you enjoy the most? As Timo, the CEO and founder, go, ooh, yeah, I just felt it. I was in, I was in flow. My whole life makes sense to me. Are there moments when that happens? Yeah, every night at roughly 8 p.m. when I eat gusto, uh, you know, I cook. I cook four times a week. Uh, I love cooking. I love food. Obviously, I get excited whenever our new menu goes live, and I get to choose our meals. Um, I do that literally a minute after the menu goes live, and so I'm really, really passionately believing in the product. Obviously, and I'm still cooking all the time. I get to test eat in our kitchen, uh, you know, three, four times a week, and um, as you can tell. Uh, you no, you look lovely. A few years ago, you're managing yourself very well, considering you have very a young kind. child very and kind. that you eat for a living. Just for a few more minutes, Timo Bolt's my business shaper, and we've been talking about the natty, clever stuff that goes on behind the scenes, and about consumer choice, uh, and about your love of food. And it strikes me that the geek in you and the passionate foodie in you is probably in a very good place because you're doing something you really enjoy. Um, it also, I've read that you are a bit of a champion when it comes to women's rights, which doesn't surprise me in the sense that you seem like a stand-up guy. But why that specifically? I mean, you do a number of things around sustainability. I get that. And food waste, I get that. Is it just because it's the right thing to do or is there something more personal behind that? I have a wife who uh, works in academia and I've got lots of friends. And I think one day I just realized that one of my very, very, very deep friends, um, I, I love her. She's uh, left working in investment banking in the 90s, came back 20 years later only to realize that things actually has, haven't changed at all. People do talk more about equality, but the world hasn't moved on. So that really kind of inspired me to think much more about it. I am having impact. Gusto now has 400 employees. So I deeply, deeply care about this topic. We need to you know, hire the very, very best people. And we absolutely can't discriminate against anyone. Um, I mean, it's ridiculously that we even talk about this topic. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's 2018. Mm -hmm. um, it's quite sad. So, uh, but is it, and practically, what do you do? Because you must get the best talent. And what you're saying is don't discriminate against talent because it's female, which is sort of obvious. But are there more active things that you're doing to help working mums in your business, for example? And how many senior women are in your business? Because often this, the whole gender pay gap is driven by a number of things, but often it's that at the senior level there are just less women. And that's one of the big issues that needs to be addressed in, every, in practically every industry. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you need to apply this, this thinking across your entire hiring and retention funnel. You've got to keep yourself very honest about it. So you've you got to start with uh, you know hidden biases in job descriptions in uh, you know the way we interview people is it a fair process should we take the name out um, should we take pictures out and then once once they're in the team uh, are we promoting people fairly enough you know um, are we promoting only the people who shout the loudest is, is, is there a fair process applied to everything we do if you look at my senior team um, my chief financial officer she's been an absolute believer in this so she and I are hosting talks inside Gusto. We've got a little book club uh, on the topic. Um, so we passionately believe in this. We've got a fairly uh, equal uh, leadership team, but there's always more we need to, to do, mm. obviously, especially when you look at technology. Um, there are, if you look at universities, there are just not enough uh, women at the moment studying uh, technology. So it's, it's a massive issue for us to create kind of uh, you know, equal workforce within technology. Well, it sounds like you're, you're thinking about lots and you're doing lots and that must be right. In terms of the business, 
what have you got planned over the next few years? You talked about a kind of 10-year horizon in a way without either, either advertently or inadvertently. You're about five or six years into that. Where do you see things going and what are the levers that you need to, to pull to ensure it goes that way? One billion meals are eaten in the UK on a weekly basis alone. 72% of those meals are home-cooked. So 700 million meals are, are, are literally home-cooked and eaten in the UK. So it's, a, it's an absolutely enormous market. And I'm, or we as team, are on this huge mission to make lives easier, better, and more healthy. So I think we've done a relatively good job. We've built by far the most competitive uh, value proposition for customers. You know, we offer the lowest price point, the best quality, the most menu choice, uh, the most convenient options, seven-day delivery and so on. But for the next couple of years, we'll, we'll just take it, you know, 10 10 levels further, really obsessing about you as a customer. So you'll see more choice, you see even better value for money, you see even faster delivery, but we will really push the boundaries of what's possible, leveraging technology and, and you know applying uh, the brains and the passion of 400 employees to solve problems for you as a customer. I like the notion of you obsessing about me, Timo, and your team, of course. In an, always. A, a, always good. You keep me at the centre of your thoughts. It's all that matters. And, and all your other customers too. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Um, you've definitely got a clear vision of where you want this to go, and it sounds like you're thinking about and doing lots of the right things to make that happen. Just before I let you go, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it? I would love to listen to Dave Brubeck, Take 5. He brought jazz to the masses. Slightly cheesy, but in a similar way, we're bringing food uh, and convenience and healthy eating to the masses. Thank you, Mr. Cheesy. It is indeed Dave Brubeck with Take 5. Thank you. Won't you stop and take a little time out with me? Just take five. Stop your busy day and take the time out to see I'm alive. That was the song choice of my business shaper today, Timo Bolt. A guy with high standards, he understood how important it was in every area that his business would touch that he needed to know what best looked like. A guy that was comfortable talking to his mentors, and he has 20 of them. There's something in that, isn't there, about being confident enough to ask for advice. And a really strong focus on women's equality in the workplace, and that must be right. Anything that we can do to address the imbalances that exist and make it easier for women to do as well as they should do in the workplace is to be applauded, and he's doing a really good job. Do join me again, same time, same place. That's next Saturday, 9am sharp, for another edition of Jazz Shapers. Thank you very much. I hope you've enjoyed the programme. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business but it's personal.